1: Sangram here. I'm the host of the Flip Maffler podcast. And as always, every Tuesday and sometimes even on Thursday, we actually have somebody come and do a takeover, which honestly gives me more time to do what I need to do in my life, but it also creates great content on the podcast. So this time, a good friend of mine, really, really a good friend of mine, Ted Wynn, he has a passion for the heroes in healthcare business. And we all know how the healthcare business has been impacted over the last years. And he he started a podcast right in the middle of it. So Ted, tell us what this podcast series is all about That and who do you interview in that?
2: Sure. Well, thanks, Andrew. First, and second, thanks for having me here. Yeah, you know, our tagline is dedicated to highlighting bold, selfless professionals in the healthcare industry who are focusing on transforming lives in their communities. And we just thought with the COVID, fact, COVID um pandemic that we're all living through and still continuing to go through, that these people and their stories just wasn't, wasn't being told or needed to be highlighted more. And so we just took it on as a, a bit of a passion project and said, let's start talking about these people and what they're doing. And uh, as a result, it's taken off. We have, uh, we are just finished episode 10. Ah, congrats! Uh, thanks, and we have uh, last numbers I checked were here about seventeen hundred downloads
1: already. That is awesome. So the podcast is called Heroes of Healthcare. Yep, Heroes and uh, healthcare. yeah, and and uh, we are going to have links to your podcast here. So if people want to continue listening to it after, even after the series is done, they can go check it out. We'll obviously write a blog and all those things. Share some of the people you're interviewing, so we get a taste of it.
2: Yeah. So. Yeah, and they can they can listen on the Heroes of Healthcare Podcast.com website. So we have a whole website with the episodes posted there, Spotify, Apple, all the regular places as well. But yeah, we've been really fortunate. Um, we have uh, uh, Dr. Mark Knapp, he was the chief marketing, uh, excuse me, chief medical officer for Mount Sinai in New York City, who gave us a whole impact of how New York City responded to the pandemic and and the stress on the people. We had the chief Medical Officer for Navant, Massive Healthcare System in the North Carolina and Southeastern Market, talking all about vaccine safety of mRNA and the vaccine that's been coming out. And then we like to mix it up a little bit. We had an old time friend of mine, Jack Curry, who is the voice of the New York Yankees, come on and talk all about baseball and how baseball was dealing with the COVID pandemic, but also how baseball was giving us some normalcy in our lives. Yeah because one of the things we also want to focus on is not just the physicality of of the of the healthcare system but also mental health. So we've also had um, the chief wellness officer from another major healthcare system talking about physician burnout, dealing with all the different clinicians and how are they dealing with the medical stress that they're under under these uncertain times. So it's been very exciting and it's been uh, we've had such a cross section of people. I think the listeners are going to find
1: something in uh great out of each one of them awesome man ted so so everybody listening you might be listening to the first episode you might be listening to the 10th takeover episode of this series so just make sure you you look back and see if you have missed anything but each one of them uh something that i feel ted you being so passionate about it is going to bring life to a lot of people as they hear it so ted again thanks for doing this and everybody enjoy the show
3: In today's episode, we're going to explore how different healthcare systems are able to identify their true heroes, the healthcare professionals who are able to serve in such a heroic way as we've discussed over the last several weeks in our episodes. So we thought no better place than to find somebody whose job it is, is to find heroes. So needless to say, I'm excited to be joined today by Paul Olzek. With over 20 years focused on healthcare business development and service line performance, Paul has been at the forefront of redefining the traditional in-house provider recruiting role. In his position as medical staff development officer at Lake Health in Cleveland, Ohio, Paul integrates collegial interactions and analytics and provider experience expertise to drive differential recruitment strategies. Paul has a commitment to learning and development and a passion for building a network of recruiting professionals to share practices that benefit organizations and candidates. He's earned an MBA and his CPRP certification. Joining Lake Health in 2015, Paul introduced a proactive recruiting model that generates a robust prospect pool, creates an effective and efficient recruiting experience, and identifies metrics to ensure optimal performance. Paul's industry-leading insights have really led him to many opportunities in speaking on these strategies, and we're excited to have him joining us here on the podcast. Welcome, Paul.
0: Hey, great to be here. Thank you.
3: I'm excited about today. We're going to talk about something a little bit different, but yet related, which is probably a lot more around talent management, right? And so I recognize that a lot of healthcare systems are struggling with finding people and getting the right talent in prior to COVID. And COVID has actually probably put the demand up much higher. So I'm excited to talk to you about the work you're doing at your facility and would love to hear from you just a little bit, kind of your philosophy and how you guys approach the talent market. Great. sounds
0: like a great way to run this podcast and really look forward to our discussion today. Awesome.
3: So before we jump in, Paul, let's if you don't mind, can you give everybody kind of your background and a little bit where you hail from? How did you get into this crazy business and, you know, just a little bit more about yourself?
0: Sure. I've been in healthcare my entire career. I went to college in Cleveland, Ohio, and graduate school in Cleveland, Ohio, and, and I've been born and raised in Cleveland, Ohio. I work for one of the smaller health systems here in Cleveland. I'm like every single recruiter that is in the market today, which is our backgrounds are Heinz 57. I think we'd be challenged to find a recruiter who has the same background. We all come in from different walks of life. My background is really focused more on business development. The skills I brought to the table in terms of recruiting were my abilities to converse with physicians and really understand the big picture in terms of, you know, how the physician recruiting impacts the service lines and the organization and the patient population in which it serves. And, you know, we can go by different titles, but at the end of the day, I'm always referred to, and I think all my colleagues are referred to the same way as, hey, we'll just have you talk to the recruiter and we'll see what we can do here. Or you get a call that says from an outside source, I understand you're the recruiter for the health system and, you know, can we have a minute to chat? So that's, that's how I got here.
3: So you're Cleveland Rocks, Cleveland Hall of Fame guy, been lifetime there. I am. I guess. Uh, so we, t- we, like talk- we like talking baseball on this podcast sometimes, too, as we did on one of our previous episodes. So am I right? Are the Indians changing the name or are they staying Indians?
0: The Indians have announced they are going to change their name. They have not told us what that name change is going to be. Well, I think we're unique, too, because we had a, a football team that left town and then came back. Actually, as a as a new team, so <laughs> <laughs>
3: well everyone says Cleveland is unique, right? So yeah, well that's all right. So we digress. So let's get back into the talent conversation here a little bit. So talk to me about some of the practices that your facility has done in terms of how do you track those? We like to call them superheroes or the heroes of healthcare on this podcast. But how pre COVID were you attracting the talent? What resources did you tap into? How did you, being a smaller system, sometimes might've been to your advantage. Sometimes it might've been to a disadvantage to get the people in. But what was kind of the overarching philosophy of how do we get the right talent into the organization?
0: Oh, sure. So I came to Lake Health in 2015 and, and looked at our process and realized uh, there were two fundamental parts that were missing. One was we didn't have a forward-looking recruitment plan that was very dynamic very static. The second thing was, is that our chief medical officer of the health system uh, overall said that he just was tired of just having a one candidate to choose from. So his goal was, to me, was what can we do about that? And I made a promise to him that we would have two candidates for every open position. And I, believe, I firmly believe that goal setting and, and having those targets is, is a way to really drive performance and Looking at those two things, based on, you know, my background, knowing that we had to have a living breathing recruiting plan, we were able to really see clearly not only twelve months forward, but even three years down the road, you know, based on what we knew about our medical staff. And, you know, I sat down with the senior VP of Business Development, who I report to, and, and then our chief medical officer and and I asked them really just off the top of their head what they thought about our medical staff and in terms of who was going to be retiring, who was staying, where we thought we were going to see some growth in the future. And, you know, great story is about a year later when we got together, our chief medical officer and, and our senior VP of business development said to me, wow, I can't believe how much of what we thought was going to happen in the next 12 months really did happen. And so, you know, I really firmly believe that every healthcare system has a lot of data that they just might not know they have. And it goes everything from personal experience and individual knowledge to information that's been collected, but it's just never been utilized. So really, that's that's kind of how we haven't looked back. And that's how we approach our recruiting is very methodical in terms of knowing where our needs are, our demands could be. Because you know, one of the things that's that's well known is that it's possible that there's a great strategy for a business line, but it's difficult to make that strategy hit its particular timeline for implementation because the one component, the the physician, is not able to be brought into that process or into that service line as quickly as one would hope for the fact that different specialties have different recruiting timelines. And that's that's really important to know that. And and one of the things that You know, as as recruiters in healthcare, we we really like to be involved in in the strategy discussions for the fact that, you know, the different specialties have those different lead times. And, you know, I think we're all committed to making sure our organizations have just an amazing opportunity to perform and to be able to serve our patient population. Interesting.
3: So that's and again, it's funny aspect, I, I guess you know, normally may not think about, but if I understand what you're saying is, so somebody, if you're recruiting for a physician who is maybe cardiology or surgery versus primary care or emergency versus anesthesiology, there is a different lead time related to the specialty. And is that just a simple supply and demand situation or what impacts that delay or those different timelines?
0: Yes. Supply and demand. Absolutely. Yeah. And you are spot on. That's exactly
2: what
3: it is. So certain ones are easier to just pull the people in for. But obviously, as you said, it also has an implication to the whole business line because it's it's an aspect of continuing to keep the engine going for that line is making sure that you have the right talent. So in your years and your experience over the last, I guess, you know, five or six years where, where you currently are, what are some of the bigger changes you've seen? What has changed? Has anything changed? Is it really still block and tackle recruiting? or have certain things changed in your approach to finding the right talent for the system.
0: Oh, that's a great question. Yeah, that's the exciting part about uh, recruiting is the fact that there's a lot of changes that had occurred prior to COVID and then COVID was a whole new animal. But let's talk about things prior to COVID. Yeah, so you asked me in the last question a little bit about, you know, our approach and, and one of the things I would like to touch on is that there there are software platforms available to us as recruiters. I mean, I'm not committed to any of these in terms of any kind of of sponsorship or anything, but we do use two the <laughs> we do use two of the more popular ones, which is Practice Match and Practice Link. And I think if you find it, if you survey recruiters across the country, they're going to be on probably on one or the other. The reason I bring that up is because when I first started, I didn't know anything. I didn't know anything. Like, I knew a lot about healthcare. I knew a lot about service lines. All the bits and pieces. and, And really, in my business development roles, I was always the recipient of the recruiting of the physician. So when I got to Lake Health, I was like, yeah, I... I have no idea how physicians look for jobs. I just didn't know. So I went in this crash course, spent a lot of time talking to my peers, and also went around and talked to some of the physicians we had newly hired and just asked them what their experience was and and really got a very good understanding in a short period of time how this happened. And so using the uh, software platforms then, really able to understand how the process worked for a physician looking for a job. Well, I also, though, had spent some time with some recruiters that had been in the business for a long time. And we've always experienced this in our lives, whether it is with right now, how we how we used to go to the mall and now we go to Amazon, <laughs> how we buy online, how we used to go places. Well, there's there was a lot of lamenting about that. Sure. Yep. There's a lot of lamenting about the fact that these things called career fairs were just super popular. And you could go to these physically and meet in person candidates who were looking. And it was the, really just a great way to recruit. Well, it was always the conversation, well, it used to be like this. It used to be like this. And I think at, in 2015, we found ourselves kind of in a lull where recruiting had moved away from that in-person touching and, and being able to to relate to each other in person and versus what we were moving toward as a society, which is more online, more removed. And so from my perspective... I thought to myself, wow, the best way to get in touch with people is through emailing. And we set out a pretty aggressive emailing campaign and a strategy to be able to connect. And that worked out extremely well for us and really had and I had had the opportunity to talk nationally about what our strategy was at our national meetings and at, at some at meetings with other organizations. But the point is, is that what happened was at, at some point in time, the, the emailing became everybody was doing it. And then the candidates started to check out on that. And the trend we we started to see was that physicians were coming into our, our process. And, and this had been something that I've talked to my colleagues from the country to, and they were seeing the same thing, is that there was this movement with the physicians to Google jobs and to be more autonomous in terms of how they were looking for their, for their future roles. Just stop there for one second. When you say, and I think I understand what you mean, but
3: just in case I'm not clear, yeah. and just for those listening, when you say Google jobs, do you literally mean went into a search and said cardiologist, and just hit Google and hit return and and try to see what Google came up with? Or, or am I being too general?
0: No, you're being spot on. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Maybe Google is not the best word to use. Maybe it's more of an internet search, using sure, the internet right. to search. Yeah.
3: But mm-hmm. simply, instead of standing there and saying I don't know what to do or where to look, now I had this thing called Google and the internet, and I could just type in you know cardiologist jobs, emergency room jobs, whatever it was, and all of a sudden I was getting information that would lead me down a path.
2: That's correct. Yeah,
0: and I know that because we're tracking all our sourcing and we're seeing a shift mm-hmm. in terms of physicians who were responding to our job postings, and they were not connected to our emailing campaign. They were now connected through our job posting. And the only way we knew that they were finding that job posting is we knew that it was an internet search. There was no other way they could have been connected to it. So they weren't coming
3: to you necessarily just through an organic search. What heightened that attraction was the email. So it it was the connection of the email to the posting on the website that was making it more effective?
0: It was the internet search. That
3: was driving awareness of our job posting. Got it. So it wasn't the email. The email wasn't necessarily helping. It was literally just the organic search. Correct. Got it. Okay. Interesting. Right. And like, as you said, everybody started emailing. So that started to become less effective because you were now just one of the many.
0: That's correct. Yes. And I am the past president of Ohio Network of Physician Recruiters at our uh, statewide meetings, we had interviewed physicians on a physician panel, residents and fellows generally looking for a job, and we brought them into our two-day event. And it was an amazing opportunity for us to ask them questions on a panel and for them to ask us questions. And one of the things was, is consistently they would say, wow, we felt like rock stars for about six weeks when we started looking for a job and really going to start our career. And we got inundated with so much email and calls and a number of ways to get in touch with us that we just kind of checked out because it started to become interrupted to our work day. And and we really just didn't feel like we were that special anymore. And definitely seeing a lot of physicians who are going through the internet search to be able to identify opportunities before they really want to surface and connect and kind of give up their information.
3: Okay. So interesting. So again, just to echo back. So it sounds like what, yeah, what you were hearing was, I don't want to drink my words. I don't want to drink from the fire hose and get all of these jobs coming into my inbox and, and 500 calls, I want to be able to start to go out and look organically, search, and try to then be more of a sniper rifle versus a shotgun approach to identifying my next opportunity is what feedback you were getting from the panels. Correct.
0: Yeah, And also, tra- I've been tracking our data since 2016, even near today to We've seen a shift, for sure. Internet search, as we refer to it, or contact uh, the recruiter directly has just continued to climb over the years. Direct email campaign efficiency in terms of the effectiveness has declined steadily since 2016. And then professional referrals are actually on the rise. And what I mean by that, it's not paid referral from a physician. It's just that we get connected from an attending or a friend of a physician's who says, hey, I have somebody who's interested in a role at your organization. And that's been on the rise. And that has been a huge change during the COVID pandemic. We have seen that. The referral. Up, way up.
3: Yeah. Okay. So let's let's pause on this topic for a minute because this is great. We have a lot of listeners, and part of why I was excited to have you on, Paul, who are in talent management part of healthcare, right? So we have lots of our audience are in recruiting, HR, and listen, for whatever it's worth, even as we know, all of the executives of that we have, the CMOs on the call, they're always looking for better talent as well. So we're always looking for the right talent and trying to upgrade and top grade our team. But this part is really interesting to me because it's something we've been talking about here. I think it was staffing industry analysts a couple of years ago put out a report and said, of all the ways organizations are finding physicians, the largest way they're finding their new job, especially around locum tenens, the temporary side of doing physician work, it was coming from referral. So you had all these other things that made up 70%, a lot of it, which was the majority, but it was a lot of little things. And then 30% was referral, right? So obviously the providers were saying, I'm finding my next job or I'm finding my next locums assignment, whichever one it is, 30% of it's coming by referral. And so if you guys are seeing that spike, how do you say, how do we leverage that? So I have that data point. They're talking to each other. One doctor is saying to the other doctor, I know of a job over here, or you should consider going here. So what are some of the things that you at your group have done Or are doing to leverage that? How do you you take advantage of that fact, that data point? Oh, great question.
0: So this started almost three years ago, and we were looking for a pulmonology critical care physician to join a private practice. So at Lake Health, we have private practice physicians and also employed physicians at our organization. About 85% of our primary care physicians are all employed. About 85% of all of our specialists are independent private practice. That works out really well. It's a great dynamic. It's been very good to us. So one of the challenges, though, is, and, and I am responsible for helping recruiting for both private practice and for our employed positions. So one of our challenges three years ago was with pulmonary critical care and the group that was recruiting wanted to improve their physician complement by one. And we were doing the typical process on my end, you know, looking, posting a role, emailing, doing a number of things. And we just weren't really getting the prospect pool that, that I was expecting. And a senior partner in the private practice he is awesome. He's a just a very personable guy, very, just very business oriented and very much a key role in, in terms of managing our pulmonogen critical care service line at Lake Health. And he's all in. He said, you know, Paul, whatever you think we need to do here, I'll do it. And, and I love working with him. And I said to him, You know, I think that it would be best that if you are walking through the hospital and walking into the physician lounges and spending time out in in the organization, that you don't say, hey, I'm looking for a partner, do you know anybody? Because that's kind of a conversation killer. But when people ask you, hey, how's it going? Just say, it's great, we wanna grow our practice. We're just looking for a partner and you know, that's just kind of not going as fast as we'd like. And if you know of anybody, just let them know, and that was the first time we did that. And in fact, that produced more prospects in terms of the positions we could talk to, and eventually ended up finding his partner that way. And it was a local guy who was working at at one of the larger health systems who just wanted to change and was looking more for a, uh, an opportunity to have more control and to have a smaller practice. And, and He came over, and and he's been here, and is he's happy as could be. But the point is, is that that was our first foray into understanding that just letting your colleagues know that you're looking all of a sudden starts starts that those wheels turning and we actually found this a pulmonary critical care physician through a nephrologist so a nephrologist knew somebody who knew somebody who turned us on to you know Dr. Fabian is, is who came on board. So the point is, is that that opportunity for me, and I use that all the time now. And so that just became part of our strategy. So what would happen is I would meet with the practice and say, you know, this is the data that I'm seeing, and I know this is where it's going. So please, when you're when you're out and talking about what your future is, don't hold back. You know, let your colleagues know you're excited. You want to grow your practice, or you're you're looking for another partner, or maybe somebody in your in your practice is retiring, and and you're looking for somebody, and just see how that that turns out. Yeah. So I, I love
3: that. So obviously, right, it's about looking forward, okay? right? Exactly. And what I think is so ironic about this, and you know, being thirty plus years in staffing, you know, in my career as well, it's been very funny to me that I remember. And I'm dating myself. I, I kind of joke. I date myself. I say I'm pre-internet. I'm pre-fax. I'm, I'm pre-email. But I remember being in the staffing world and the fax machine came out and everybody said, oh, that's going to be the end of us because everyone's going to be able to fax their resume right to the human resources department. Nobody's going to need the staffing companies. You know, yeah. it's totally going to disintermediate the business. P.S. Every staffing company in the country had a fax machine next week and they were all using it to their advantage. Right. Right. And then Monster.com came out, the job board. The Internet was now becoming prolific and job boards came out and they all said, oh, Monster's going to be the end of us. Now the clients can go directly onto the the Internet and they can find all the candidates they want. P.S., the job board's biggest customers are the staffing industry because they're using it all. They're using it to leverage the ability to bring the services to the client. And now we're hearing about all the ATS systems, the applicant tracking Uh systems. And the systems now are using AI. So we're going to use artificial intelligence to process all these candidates coming through. So you're only getting the best candidates. And that's the new disruptor. Mm -hmm. P.S. to the story, what you just said, it still comes down to having a relationship with individuals Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. networking. That's correct. Right. Yes. And the thing is, is I don't say the industry was wrong to be concerned about this because look what happened to the travel industry. Right we used to have travel agencies you used to have to go down and right. get your tickets printed and you know all of that sort of stuff and now it's all gone online Expedia and Kayak and delta.com and everything's mm-hmm. all you know you don't need and the travel agent is become something of the past mm-hmm. Still around but in different ways but clearly the internet was a major disintermediator to that industry But Mm -hmm. yet in the staffing world, as you said, it's still coming down to the end of the day, having Mm -hmm. a conversation, feeling a connection and having a relationship with the people. And this is why I think it's so important for the recruiters who listen to this podcast to know you got to develop that relationship. You got to develop that pipeline. You got to develop the connection with the individual. If you're just doing a, to your point earlier, an email blast, and hoping that somebody's going to come back to you, your chances of being successful are greatly diminished. Or as I like to say, hope's not a strategy.
0: Right. Exactly. Yeah. There's a lot of talk still today about recruitment marketing. And I absolutely believe in that 100%. I believe that what we're seeing is is just a reflection of what each and every one of us do in our own personal life. My question to you and everybody who's listening is, like, how many things do you buy today off the internet that you don't look at the reviews before you buy. Mm -hmm. It's all become about reviews. I mean,
3: why do you think all these companies are asking you to review the product? Because they
0: know that's going to lead to more sales. Right. And that's that's what we're seeing here for the fact that, again, everyone who's listening to this podcast knows that physicians have the best relationships with. And there's this brotherhood of trust that is between physicians because they have all gone through the same experience. And what I found here at our organization is that our most successful opportunities to have a physician accept a role here at our organization is when our physicians, our chief medical officer, whoever it is, but there's that peer-to-peer connection and it's their ability to seal the deal. Hmm. I mean, I can tell you personally, I can't take credit for any one of the physicians that we've ever recruited at our organization over these last almost six years because it's, it's a team effort. It is absolutely a team effort. And the physicians play a huge role in that. And getting them connected and to be able to have them speak to each other and to talk their talk in their own nomenclature about their roles. But more importantly than to be able to talk about everything from school systems to the community, to the culture of the organization. And that just seals the deal. Mm -hmm. And that's why the sourcing piece of what we do here is, is where I believe across the country, for anybody who's in healthcare and physician recruiting, it's about the pool because it is a numbers game. Because at the end of the day, really, the, the prospect, the candidate, if you will, once they, they really get engaged, I just, they're going to be looking for fit. They're going to be looking for how is this going to be for me and my family and how are things going to, to really pan out for me for my career? And you mentioned it before, right? So you got this AI that right that's on the on the horizon today or or maybe even in play today. You can look at all that data that you want, and I get that, right? I mean, you definitely need to go to med school and have, you know, training in the subspecialty or the specialty in which you're you're applying for, but it's not the be-all end all. It's those intangibles.
3: Yeah. No, I agree. I think it's the yeah. it's the AI provides a value or yeah. any sort of algorithm to bring the most relevant data. To your pool. Yeah. Right. So what it narrows it down instead of having to dial through 500 names of people who might be a cardiologist in the Ohio market. Right. Mm -hmm. It pulls it down. to It pulls it down. But is what you're saying. And I agree is at the end of the day, it's a relationship. It's an emotional buy, and I think that's the key. You know, to me in life, there's not a lot of emotional purchases we make. But I've always said the university I'm going to attend is an emotional buy. Mm -hmm. The home I'm going to buy is an emotional buy. The car is an emotional buy, and we (laughs) certainly know advertising. Yeah, and I know you you love cars, so you know the advertising world (laughs) has really created all personas around that personality and what and what buys. I've actually Mm -hmm. even heard recruiters ask the question to candidates, if you were a car, what kind of car would you be? And that because they feel that the personas around automobiles are so clear that their mm-hmm. identification with an automobile clearly tells you how they see themselves. So I think mm-hmm. that's you know, very interesting. And yeah. the other one is our careers. And the career is a purchase. We don't think of Mm -hmm. it because it's not necessarily an exchange of money to get it, but it is. It's an emotional decision. And there's not many of them in life that we do. So to just narrow it down to say, AI will tell me who is the right person. At the end of Mm -hmm. the day, it becomes a relationship. It's my relationship as the recruiter to you, Paul, the candidate that helps make that thing. And as you said, within the health system, it's everybody's responsibility because you're creating that emotional connection.
0: Yeah. You know, I I had two colleagues around the state of Ohio who had shared some success stories with me and they both had a a similar vein to the story, which was they had worked their magic with the candidates and had gotten them to a point as where they made an offer and they were thinking that maybe the candidate was or was not going to come to their health system. One was in Akron Canton, one was in Southern Ohio, two different markets. And at the bottom line is that both Recruiting efforts ended up with the physicians getting involved in a very positive way, connecting one candidate's spouse to the community leaders and being able to connect them to the passion of their interest to what was happening in that community. And that helped seal the deal. And another one was simply just an outpouring of the leadership, the physician partners, and community leaders just being able to come together and really. Spend time with the candidate and as family and, and they were able to land that candidate as well. But the point is, is that, again, it, it feeds right into what you were saying, which is simply it wasn't about the job. It was about the job and the opportunities for the for the family to be comfortable with the job opportunity.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So when you're recruiting, you have to take all those things into into consideration. It's not just about the the quick match or the quick fix. So that's great. Let's talk about a little bit while we still have some time here regarding since it's kind of the world I come from and some things about the use of external resources. So you talked about, you know, putting out referrals and creating referral campaigns and the postings on your job boards and that's yep. and that's kind of that direct one-to-one relationship. But what are you hearing from some of the groups that you work with who use outside services and what are some of the keys to utilizing a staffing resource to help you identify the right talent?
0: Sure. Yeah, I mean at the end of the day, right? We as recruiters, you know, we want to be able to be a, a contributing part to our organization and, and want you know to be known as somebody who can really make things happen. Mm-hmm. And we talked about this a little earlier. Uh, there are definitely some specialties where supply and demand is is really backwards. you know there's not much supply and there's a ton of demand. And what I find is, both on our national platform and also on our local platforms, is there's a lot of conversations about outside resources, who's using outside resources, do you know any outside organizations that you've had a good experience with? If so, who are they? Let's talk offline. Or I've seen threads on chats where people are asking, hey, have you ever worked with this organization? And then that conversation is taken offline. So we realize, again, that we know it's a team effort. You know, it's sometimes we, ha- we go outside because we feel that we need the extra horsepower that an outside organization may have access to a pool. Right? We talked about this earlier, right? A source, yeah. right? Of prospects who may become candidates, who may become, you know, employed physicians. The, the point is, is that we will we'll use them, but it's about the relationship with that organization. It's important to us to have an organization that's efficient. That's easy to work with, but more importantly, and I, and I think this is one of the things that I, I feel like how the physicians feel when we're all the recruiters are all you know asking for their time and attention. We're finding the same thing in the industry is that we get a lot of emails and a lot of telephone calls from staffing agencies, permanent locums, whatever it may be, all the time. Like we get them every day. And sometimes more than you care. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and and we all we all re, we all respect that. We're, we're fine. We're, we find that, you know, if we if we had a need, we'd be reaching out. Mm-hmm. And if we had a need and we were reaching out, I just mentioned that how we were going to do it and, and really how we do it. And I think what I love about the recruiting world is even if we're in the same state, a very altruistic mindset that recruiters have. I might be in competition with somebody, but in the same respect, we all want to be successful and as long as you're about you know 100 to 200 miles apart or nationally even it's even better people will share strategies with you, will, will share information with you. They don't care cuz they know you're not in competition with each other cuz we all know the physicians when they're looking for a role, 90% of the time it's about location. Right. So somebody in Dallas is not competing with me. Never going to happen. Sure. But the point is is that is that we talk, right? So we're getting we're getting these phone calls, and these emails from from outside sources that we're we're not going to react to that. We're we we actually have this process that we all agree to, which is we're going to ask our peers back to, right? We're looking at the reviews when we buy our products. We're doing the same thing now. We're taking our, our everyday life experiences and now we're, we're moving more toward, I'm going to ask my colleagues who they've worked with. Have they had a good experience with an organization and did they help you out? Mm-hmm. And, that's just, and, it, and again, it back to the relationship it becomes a relationship business. I know somebody has a relationship with you. You had a good relationship with them. Therefore, I like my colleague. I trust them. Therefore, I'm going to call you, Ted. I'm not right. going to call Jim, you know what I mean? Or, or Diane.
3: Sure. Right. So, yeah, you're going to say to somebody, hey, you know, I I need somebody to help me out in either this specialty or somebody who have you used before that you like. They're going to say, hey, call Mary over at XYZ Staffing Company. She's been a rock star for us. And that's how you're going to do it. You're not going to necessarily just go into your voicemail and say, well, who's the last person who called me? And and I'll give them a try. You're going to want to have. And that's the power of that reference, as you're saying, where the change in our society is how many stars, right? Does it have four stars or five stars? You know, it's Yelp. I'm in a new town. I don't know where to eat. I go to Yelp and I'm not I'm not picking the two star place to go eat. I'm picking the five star place. (laughs) Right.
0: Right. 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 Yeah, it's the same thing. Okay. Yeah. But I have to comment. When we would go to these national shows and mm-hmm. our statewide events, when we met vendors in person, that that was a big thing, to be able to meet people in person. Sure. And my experiences have been when I have met vendors who have actually taken some time with me and we didn't talk business at all, it was a better relationship builder than it was When we talk business for the fact that they know what I do. I know what they did. We didn't have to. We didn't have to talk about business. Right. But it was that part of it that really was important was, you know, just liking the person.
3: Yeah. Well, again, it comes back to that relationship. I love one of the stories you yeah. shared with me, which was, you know, you guys don't use external services very often. You've been able to build mm-hmm. this engine, I'll call it, which is helps feed you guys and, you know, keeps your self sourcing your candidates. You are a recruitment organization. Therefore, that's the job they've hired you to do. Right. I laugh sometimes with some companies and they have these big recruitment organizations and yet they use thousands and thousands, millions of dollars with external resources. It's kind of like, well, don't shouldn't you have one or the other? but that's a different, that's a different thing. But, (laughs) you know, the story you shared with me, which was that the way I'll put it is the companies who call you and are just interested in the transaction are not the ones you remember per se. It's the companies who call you going back to this relationship part who are just calling to say, Hey, I'm just checking in. That's true.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I've had experience with one local tennis company that their rep just calls and She's out of Georgia and she just calls and say, hey, how's it going? Like, I just want to let you know I'm here. And if, if there's anything that comes up that you need, you know, let me know and, and we can see if we can help you out. And we talk about the weather. We just talk about how things are going. And I've never met her in person, mm-hmm. but she's just got a great phone presence. And she started out the relationship simply just saying, I just want you to know that who I am and I'm available. And if you ever need us, you know, think of me. And, and it's just nice to get a call from her, right? If I'm I'll be able to pick up, I'll pick up and I'll talk to her.
3: Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it continues to reinforce that point. So yeah. as we're starting to kind of come up against some time here, let's just the, the last part, I think I just love for you to talk about maybe is kind of it's kind of where what's that story that kind of sticks out in your mind that you say, remember, I remembered we got this individual or it was a tough hire or was able to do. And you just saw them kind of move the needle in terms of the impact to the organization or, you know, I, just one of those things, like I said, you know, the theme of our thing is those heroes of healthcare. And I love the angle we took in talking with you because you guys are, are out finding the heroes you're, you're identifying uh-huh. those individuals. And what's that thing when you kind of, you, you know, is there one story or the thing that sticks in your mind that said, Hey, we got that individual in here. And I just heard this story. Or, I heard they just did this or something. And, you know, man, we're having a small part, but impacting the health system.
0: Oh wow, that's a that's a great question. You know, I do have I do have a story though. I think that that it's a, it's a little bit of a twist on what you asked, but but maybe this will help. Well, I put you on the spot. So, so I put you <laughs> on the spot. So be creative.
2: It's okay. <laughs> that's okay.
0: We all talk in the industry, and we know that about ninety percent of all of our hires are actually driven by location preference.
2: Mm-hmm. That
0: usually has family ties, and yep. and I can tell you, I can I can answer this. We, more generally speaking, I've had a number of physicians who have come into our organization over the last five or six years, who have contributed significantly to our organization and and really have made us an attractive place to work. And it's a, it's a compounding effect. We have dynamic, well trained physicians who, in our organization, our culture is the Lexus automobile in the in the parking lots about as complicated as and, and as, as high-end as you're going to get. Our physicians are very, we're a community-based hospital system, two medical centers. We serve about 500,000 people, but our physicians are more grounded and they're, and they're more about being part of the community, mm-hmm. right? So it's not a lot of look at me kind of stuff. And a lot of them are very, they contribute to our organization significantly. They engage the community and they really are just part of, and all they want to do is is serve the patient population. And it's just fantastic. But the one 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 I want to talk about though, is just the one recently that we've hired a general surgeon. And in, in our case here, general surgery is pretty straightforward in terms of filling the roles. It's not one of those hard to get specialties. (laughs) The greatest part about this story, though, is that uh, he is from Sitka, Alaska. Wow. And Sitka, Alaska, if you know, is uh, one of the, uh, there's a Romantic comedy movie with Sandra Bullock and Ryan Reynolds, and it was based in Sitka, Alaska. And you know, if you're into that kind of that movie, it's it's funny. Yep. And if you see what Sitka, Alaska looks like, you'll be like, "How did this guy end up coming to Cleveland?" Mm-hmm. Well, the the Cleveland connection was such that he had done training all over the country, and he was finishing up his training in Arizona. So Arizona and Sitka, Alaska couldn't be any different, right? We're talking not a lot of grass and. A lot of green and trees and snow up in Alaska. And he connected with us for the fact that he had an underlying passion for sailing. And you, guys
2: to, and you guys happen to be on the lake.
0: We have Lake Erie. One of the criticisms of the Lake Erie is that it gets very rough because it's shallow. Mm-hmm. But we're on the side of, of all the great lakes where we and Buffalo uh, off of Lake Erie just get hammered with snow in the wintertime because the winds blow into our shoreline. Well, it makes for great sailing. And I just happened to grow up with a friend of mine whose family had a sailboat and I had been sailing on Lake Erie. I was very familiar with this sailing culture. And and so I was able to have like a sailing conversation with this candidate. And lo and behold, he came. And the other thing was, is that I got him up here in July. Well, July in <laughs> Cleveland is spectacular. It's it's greener than green could be. Right. It is just amazing beautiful comfortable weather up here and that was it and he took the role and he's here but <laughs> but i saw him in november and he said to me ha huh, you really got me up here at a really nice time of year <laughs> because cleveland gets very gray and it lacks a lot of color in in the winter time and sailing doesn't happen so yeah, no,
3: but I, I love that story because, again, it goes back to clearly what was the theme that ran through today's conversation, which is it comes down to meeting them where they are, meeting right. the candidates and speaking to their passions, speaking to their families, making sure that it's yeah. got to be an emotional connection. It, it's not just a, it's not just a Amazon transaction.
0: Right. 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 Yeah. And he has no family here. Wow. This is this is Purely that, you know, that 10 percent of the people who just go somewhere to to live and work because they have a reason for it. So,
3: yeah, I love that. So just to kind of recap, as we're as we're wrapping up here, I kind of I wrote down some notes and, you know, kind of the three big takeaways. That I had, and you know, by all means, you know, please add if, if I missed anything. But one, let data drive your activities, right? So you're looking at the data to see where are they coming from. The emails used to work, now they don't work. There's a yep. shift, you know, and all that. So let the data drive your activities, yes. or point you where to go. Referrals are still king. So we can still do a lot of things, but at the end of the day, it's referrals are still 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 king in terms of finding the right the hero talent in the physician and the healthcare world. And it's still about relationships. Relationships and it's an emotional purchase. At the end of the day, it's going to be it's the connection to the city. It's the connection to the community. It's those things that are going to really what helps you drive finding the right talent in the right market. Yes. Great. Awesome. Well, Paul, this has been fun. You know, I have to always end all my episodes with the question that I'll pose to you, which is thinking back in in your days, young or old, who, who was your hero? Oh,
0: sure. I have a lot of respect for individuals who stories are about building a career, creating opportunities that aren't actually straightforward. And there's a number of people out there, uh, you know, Sam Walton, Jack Welch from GE, Jeff Bezos, actually, great story there. Mm-hmm. But one of the ones that, that I really, really like is is Tom Brady, the quarterback in the NFL. And and it's not because he won seven Super Bowls, right? A lot of people go right to that. One of the things, though, is in Cleveland, our team left and then went to Baltimore. And, and in, that, in, that, in that few years where they weren't here, I needed to find a football team that I could follow. And I didn't want to follow a team from a city. So I felt that New England just happened to be pretty generic and it represented an area. And I chose that. Lo and behold, I had no idea the fact that Tom Brady and Bill Belichick were going to hook up. Mm-hmm. and create the dynasty that they did. But the reason I bring this up is because Tom Brady talks about this himself, and it's a lot, people may or may not know this, but you know when he was drafted as the 199th player in the 2000 NFL Draft, I have some notes here about his his combine comments was he can't throw a tight spiral, he lacks a strong arm, he lacks ability to avoid the rush, and, and right now the guy's got 91,000 career passing yards and 664 touchdown passes. You know, they had talked about the fact that he gets down easily. He can't drive the ball downfield. And and today he's in his 21st season of the NFL. He's never had a losing season. His, he's a career leader in the NFL for quarterback with most wins, quarterback with the most playoff wins, the most Super Bowl MVPs. And and he's won Super Bowls over three decades, over 30 years. It's unbelievable. Yeah. And the reason that the reason that I like, Tom is because it's an epic failure for the scouts to to they missed his intangibles, yeah, and his intangibles are he smart, he's disciplined, he's got an exceptional work ethic, and he I understand what it takes to to get the team to perform and the fact of the, is that that's that's the part about his story is because while I could read about these other people that I mentioned prior to Tom, I actually watched him work his philosophy and his, his passion and, and, his, and his discipline for the game, I watched that unfold year after year after year. And you can see now, after all these years, how that just played out. And I think that for me, I think he's a great example to me, my two daughters, people that I, you know, anybody really is that he was absolutely not even on the radar screen, you know, being drafted in the NFL. And and here, you know, it's it's all this discipline and hard work and really all that he's done and he's never lost focus in terms of the fact that you just got to stay on top of your game every day and so you know that's a good example to me and you know if I'm going to do something on a daily basis you know just practice what what I want to have happen and, and it should happen that way
3: yeah yeah no doubt whether you, you love him or you hate him you can't you can't deny the, you know, who he is and what he's done. And no, you're right. right. And you have to have admiration for the fact that Manning had a great career, but he was a top pick and, you know, and, and all, yeah. and, and all that sort of stuff. And Tom was nobody. That's, I also love in baseball, that was the old Mike Piazza story, right? He was a, oh yeah, yeah he was a draft pick as a favor to Tom Lasorda, who was his godfather and, you know, went on to the hall of fame. Right. So you always love that. Everybody, as this, as the saying goes, everybody loves a, a comeback story. Right. And so, yeah. yeah. That's yours. I appreciate that, Paul. And I love that about that's a great one. And 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 no doubt, again, love him or hate him. You can't deny that who he is. So right. that's great. Well, Paul, thanks for spending some time with us. It's been a pleasure. It's been great taking a little bit of a different approach to our podcast and getting some information, you know, in terms of how do we find those heroes in, in everybody's world. I love the fact that you guys in at Lakeside are so open and share and collaborate with your fellow health systems in Ohio and around the country. And I know you guys share candidates from time to time and even things like that. And obviously that's a, that's a great approach too. So thanks again for joining us on the Heroes of Healthcare podcast. And we look forward to continue to talk with you down the road in the future.
0: All right. Thanks, Ted. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening.
2: Until next time.